It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Much to unravel as usual. Are there candidates out there campaigning on Mar-a-Lago, Mr. Producer? I haven't seen any, have you? You've not seen any in New York? Mr. Kalskruner, have you seen any in New Jersey? No, I haven't seen any in Virginia or Florida. I don't see candidates, Republican candidates, campaigning on Mar-a-Lago. There's a lot of talk about it here on cable TV, on network TV. And there should be a lot of talk about it amongst those of us who who focus on the Constitution, the rule of law, liberty versus tyranny, and so forth. But I'm utterly unaware that Republicans are running on this issue. I watch the TV ads now in two states. I can tell you Marco Rubio is running on crime and securing the border, and that his opponent is a radical, excuse <coughs> me, radical socialist. I see DeSantis in Florida running on his record, attacking Fauci and what he did, among other things. I see the congressional candidates. In Virginia, since there is no senator gubernatorial race, doing exactly the same thing. I get these mailers. So I am unaware that Republicans are running on or spending their resources on what the FBI did in Mar-a-Lago. So I'm just questioning this kind of analysis, I believe it started with uh, Karl Rove and others saying, you know, if Trump weren't doing this, Trump is fighting back, as he always must. Now, I would also point out that it would be really disastrous if Trump were left without support, without air cover, without political a grassroots support, because that would mean the Democrats can do whatever the hell they want with the federal government and federal law enforcement against anybody, including other candidates. So that's the first point. The second point I would make is, if we are relying on the Republican Party infrastructure and bureaucracy, To crush the Democrats in November, we're not going to crush the Democrats in November. What made the difference last November in a state like Virginia was not the Republican Party. The Republican Party was irrelevant, especially the RNC and the Republican Party in and around Washington. Mitch McConnell was irrelevant. They were all irrelevant. It was the grassroots. The grassroots in 2010 was the Tea Party, which rose up, said enough is enough. The grassroots last November, taxpayers and parents who said enough is enough. It is up to us to remain focused. We, the grassroots, we, the people, 
We cannot rely on long-in-the-tooth political commentators that the media promote, even media that we like. We have to take political matters into our own hands to ensure a massive victory in November. If it doesn't occur, it's because of us. We cannot rely on the phony experts. Their experience is quite poor when we rely on them. So it's going to take each and every one of you in your neighborhoods to make a difference. And you can do this, and we can do this. And no, we're not going to surrender. There's no reason to surrender. I've been part of this movement, these various movements, my entire life. The Reagan Revolution, the Tea Party movement. And we've got to take on the Democrat Party, regardless of what the Republicans do. So that's my second point. My third point is, for how many months now have you heard the so-called Washington experts on TV, on radio, and elsewhere talk about a red wave? And how long have I said, don't get cocky? The election hasn't occurred yet. A lot can happen. Always fight like you're behind, whether it's a political operation or a military operation or a sports event or whatever it is. Always fight like you're behind. And we have to do that today, too. Not to dispirit you, but to get everybody poised and active and motivated now, right now. It's a little less than, a little more, I should say, than two months, 60 days until the midterm elections. If you feel everything's on the line, and I know you do like I do, then whatever you did last time, you need to do more this time. If you did nothing last time, you need to do something this time. That's how it works. The Marxists who have a home in the Democrat Party are salivating to destroy your life, to control your property, to control how you live and where you live. You must defend what is yours. You must defend your own liberty. You must defend the future for your children and grandchildren. You must defend your faith and your family. You must defend what your children are taught. You must defend American history, law enforcement, the military, capitalism. That's what it's all about. That's what's going on. Nobody's asking you to put your life on the line. Nobody's asking you to be a casualty. Vote, and even more, you must get others to vote. You have a phone. That's all you need. That's all you need. But all the news is not negative. I've pointed out before, they're trying to dispirit you. They're trying to demoralize you. Don't let the enemy create your reality. And they are the enemy. They're not the adversary. Don't let the enemy create your reality. 
Don't let the enemy create your psyche. People always say to me, how are we going to do, Mark? How are we going to do? I say, how do I know? Just fight like hell. And at Legal Insurrection, our friend Professor Jacobson, he says, I understand how demoralizing the current situation is. The border wide open, the full apparatus of the criminal justice system from DOJ to FBI to state prosecutors are weaponized for Democrat political purposes. Yet the narrative as recently as a month ago was that a red wave was coming in November. That has changed. There is a concerted media effort to create the counter-narrative that the red wave has failed, even though we're just entering, just entering prime election season and Republicans still lead in the generic ballot. It happens every election cycle. And I read to you last week Stephen Hayward's piece, excellent piece, which he has a chart and he demonstrates it. The Republicans almost never lead in the generic ballot. But that doesn't mean they don't win. And yet we have this from Rasmussen. From Friday. The 2022 midterm elections are now 74 days away and Republicans still have a five-point lead in their bid to recapture control of Congress. The latest Rasmussen reports, national telephone and online surveys find that if the elections for Congress were held today... 47% of likely U.S. voters would vote for the Republican candidate, 42% for the Democrat, 8% aren't sure. Now let me ask you a question. Even though you have a Republican lead here, why does this matter? Well, Mark, it gives us a sense of why does it matter? Now why am I asking this? Think it through. You go to vote in November. You're voting for the House. And a third of you are voting for the Senate. There is no national election in November. So when we get these national telephone and online surveys, it's good to see that we have a lead under the Rasmussen. And I'm telling you that because others say we don't. But I'm saying you've got to be very, very skeptical of all these. You're voting for a single congressman and one-third of you voting for a single senator. You're not voting for somebody else's senator. You're not voting for somebody else's congressman. They don't take a national vote and then start to distribute members of Congress and members of the Senate. So to some extent, to a great extent, these numbers are not particularly reflective of anything i mean if you're 25 points down i guess it's reflective you're going to have a bad time nationwide but that's not what those numbers show now i think the democrats have done two things they pass these massive spending bills and they want you to believe the average american that they're helping you and after the break i'm going to prove otherwise and number two They keep saying this abortion decision, more and more women are registering to vote. Well, how do we know more and more women aren't registering to vote to defeat their local school boards like they did last November? Or more and more women aren't registering to vote because they've had enough with the Democrats. They keep pointing to Kansas. 
Kansas. Did anybody ever think that maybe what Kansas proposed initially was too big of a bite? That we have to get strategic like the other side on so many issues? One bite at a time. You don't take the whole chicken and swallow it. You don't take the whole side of beef and swallow it. Not all at once. So Kansas is not a, an indicator of anything either. Go look at what's going on in Oregon right now. Oregon is a heavily Democrat state controlled by Portland. It's controlled by Portland in the Portland area. Maybe one or two cities. That's it. For the governorship there, the race is neck and neck between the Republican and the Democrat. I don't know how long it's been since they've had a Republican governor there. How come nobody's talking about that? So my point is, all this incoming, all this static, all these experts, broom it away, broom it. You can control your life, you can control, to some extent, your own environment, you can control what you do. Are you going to be an active patriot or not? Well, the broad base of American patriots who are sick and tired of the war against Americanism, against morality and ethics, against American history, against the market system, against American sovereignty. Are we going to unite and rise up and make our presence known on Election Day or before if you have early voting? I don't like it, but use it. Will we? That's not up to me. That's not up to any broadcaster. That's not up to the RNC. Thank God. That's up to you. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Trillions and trillions of dollars of your money, debt that's going to be on the shoulders of your children and grandchildren and generations yet burn, to subsidize ideologically driven policies. There's a lot of questions, whether it's electric cars and so forth and so on. Remember when the Democrats used to say, you want to get rid of Obamacare, what are you going to replace it with? Where's the detailed step-by-step blueprint for the Green New Deal? Where is it? 
Where do we technologically get from A to Z? Where do these rare earth minerals come from? How are they mined? How are we going to have enough of them? You have millions of cars plugged in to an electrical grid. How's that going to work? We're already forecasting brownouts and blackouts down the road. And how do people think electricity is created? By a bunch of people with kites and keys? No. It has to be created. Well, what creates it? What creates it? Coal? Natural gas? Yes. What else creates it? Nuclear power? Yes. So we're opposed to all those, right? Solar power, wind power? Not enough. You see the disaster in Texas a few years ago? Remember that? They have regular disasters in California, brownouts and blackouts over the years. They decided to keep their one remaining nuclear power plant online. Just in case, of course. Just in case. I mean, we have uh, these examples. Europe, Germany's in a disastrous situation. It doesn't have enough fossil fuels now. And they're warning people. Not only are there going to be brownouts and blackouts, it's going to be one damn cold winter. Same with Poland. Same with all of Europe. Sri Lanka, another example. I'm giving you third world, industrialized societies, America. People are starving in Sri Lanka. Why? Because fossil fuels are the center of everything. From fertilizer on out. Everything. Banning fossil fuels? How suicidal is that? Meanwhile, our enemies will gobble it up left and right. And when these batteries are done, they last about 10 years and they cost a ton. Where are they going to go? Where are we going to put them? They're toxic. They're toxic. Where's the plan for all this? Perfect example. Things that I don't expect ideologues who are dense with low IQs like Biden on out from the bottom up and the middle out in the Democrat Party. From the Daily Mail. How will we charge them all? U.S. needs to spend $35 billion to meet demand for 1.2 million public ports by 2030. And that's not counting the $28 million needed in homes. $28 million needed in homes. $28 million plus 1.2 million public ports. Can you imagine everybody plugging in their cars? That's not going to be a problem, is it? These politicians are killing this country. The U.S. needs to build 30 million electric vehicle charging ports, or 478 each day until 2030, if half of the drivers switch over to electric vehicles. Not even talking about homes yet. We have about 128,000 public electrical vehicle charging outlets. 
There was at least 4,500 private ones. Nothing. Although EVs, electric vehicles, have climbed a lot each year since 2016, and a lot of that's because the government is subsidizing people to buy them and make them. Many consumers cite batteries and charging issues as their main concerns. California automakers have until 2035, 13 years, to completely phase out gas guzzlers. Why are cars called gas guzzlers and electrical cars aren't called electricity guzzlers? You get the point? It's the language. But the state's charging infrastructure needs to expand dramatically, and it won't because Newsom is a hack and a fool. America would have to install 30 million electronic vehicle charging ports by 2030. It's a lot, don't you think? 30 million. 1.2 million public, as I said, 28 million private. It's, uh, it's just unbelievable. And I'm just looking down here. Automakers will now have to reach the first quota of California's new plan. 35% of new cars, small pickups, and SUVs sold in the state must be zero emission by 2026. Meanwhile, McKinsey report notes that electricity bought at public chargers can cost five to ten times more than electricity in private ones. To keep EVs powered up, public charging stations will probably need to be economical, equitably distributed, appealing to use, and wired to a robust power grid. Wow. Where's that going to come from? And drivers of EVs who can't recharge at home will want public charging locations to be convenient, with estimates suggesting public charging would deliver over 20% of the electricity that would be used in 2030. So where are these stations going to come from? Let me ask you a question, Mr. Producer. You've spent your entire life in New York, correct? It's a very, very crowded city, isn't it? They have a lot of what we call high-rises and skyscrapers, don't they? Where are those people going to charge their cars? You can't. You can't. I can imagine the towing business is going to be very busy. You're driving. Okay, there's no port near you or next to you and the car stops. What do you do with that, Mr. Producer? You just sit there. You just sit there. Maybe they'll have some kind of towing vehicles that have chargers of some kind or another, but I can imagine this happening everywhere. Well, Mark, what about like gasoline? Gasoline is ubiquitous. Well, so will electricity. No, it won't. It won't be. It can't be. And then they'll play the game, the statistical game, because electricity is going to need fossil fuel or nuclear power for much of it to be created. You can't rely on the sun and the wind, ladies and gentlemen. Anymore, you can rely on the rain gods during the droughts. I feel like we're really going backwards here, but anyway... Let's continue. 
There's so many issues here. I don't even know where to begin. But that's the point. They're pulling the plug, if you will, on fossil fuels. They're putting in demands because they have eggheads who sit on these environmental boards. They have really stupid people as governors, ideologues as members of their various legislatures, eggheads who know nothing, pushing the agenda. It's easy to vote to stop things. It's easy to vote to ban things. It's easy to vote to demand things. But somebody has to do it. So who's working on the electrical grid as I speak? Anybody? Nobody. Nobody. In order to take out also our ability to travel, today, I mean, you'd have to take out an awful lot of gas stations and so forth, but as you centralize more and more power and more and more decision-making, becomes easier and easier. This is what our friend Peter Pride talked about, who passed away, unfortunately. We don't have any government that will protect our grid. They won't even protect it. And so trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars are going to be poured into this to make you poorer, 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 colder during the winter, warmer during the summer, drive up your costs, create brownouts and blackouts, to create poverty and even death, as we saw in these various states, and as you'll see in Europe over the winter. Taking us from energy independent to God knows what. Because the nonsensical, uninformed, arrogant, narcissistic politicians have taken over. They're going to determine what energy is. So we've had it with the private sector, and they just stole it all, and now the government's in charge. Student loans, what did I say? This party's in office to do what? To benefit its base. Who's in its base? Oh, they'll throw a few crumbs to the minority groups and this group and that group, as long as they don't have to give them school choice and open up opportunities for everybody. It's the white, wealthy, leftist. That's what this party, the Democrat Party, represents. Not the quote-unquote little people. Not the quote-unquote brown and yellow people. Not the, it does not represent them. It lies to everybody, as it must. How are people who have to use food stamps, and I'm not just talking about minorities, obviously a lot of white people do too. I'm talking about people generally. How do people who need food stamps to live or need their social security check to live day by day, week by week, going to get an electric car? I don't care how much it's subsidized. They're not. So what's next in line, Mr. Producer? Public transportation. Remember, there's a war now on single-family homes in the suburbs and the outer burbs by the federal government. They want to eliminate that kind of zoning. They want dense housing. They want public transportation. And they are driving us to that. They are pushing us toward that whether it's automobiles, whether it's zoning and housing. That's what they're doing. More and more as they control the population. 
87,000 IRS agents. Where's the liberty in all this? They never speak about individualism in all this. They never speak about opportunity in all this. It's always government, 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 government. One quick thing before I take the break. I was at the airport yesterday. And I was sitting next to a very nice gentleman. And you know, people, they have these phones now. I don't know. They, they don't actually hold the phone, but they're talking. You go, oh, that guy's talking to himself. But it turns out they're talking to somebody on a phone. And one of the things I heard him say, he was right next to me, very loud. He said, don't forget to get your $20,000. That's what he says. Don't forget to get your $20,000. Obviously, he was talking to somebody he knows, probably a relative, maybe a child. He was an older gentleman. Who was saying, don't forget to get your $20,000. And the student welfare case if you got a Pell Grant you get up to $20,000 back don't forget to get your $20,000 it's unbelievable absolutely unbelievable you think about the men and women who are breaking their backs out there waiting on tables driving tractors Plumbers, 24-7 plumbers and electricians, guys working on roofs in Florida in the middle of the heat in the summer. Mechanics, taxi and Uber drivers, bricklayers, and go on and on and on. The men and women who make this country really function. Don't forget to get your $20,000. Don't forget to get your electric car. Let me tell you uh, about the Democrats and quote-unquote democracy. They unleashed the IRS against the Tea Party in 2010. Their IRS leaks former President Trump's tax returns, or at least some of them. Their FBI creates an entire lie and scenario, violates the FISA laws, leaks to the media... Commits obstruction. Nobody goes to prison. They now ransacked a former president's house with a pretext, which violates the Fourth Amendment, among other things. They prosecute former President Trump's staff, two of them, for contempt of Congress. You've never heard of that before. They placed them in handcuffs, in one case, leg irons, you have a Democrat judge, Jackson, District Court, D.C., appointed by Obama, who puts Paul Manafort in solitary confinement for eight months, who prevents Roger Stone from speaking in his own defense and on his own behalf publicly, while the government keeps leaking against him. They use his SWAT teams. To serve subpoenas, SWAT teams to arrest people. That confronts lawyers who work for President Trump in the campaign with subpoenas and takes their iPhones. No care about attorney client privilege or anything else. That's their democracy, ladies and gentlemen.
hundreds of people prosecuted who were not violent, who didn't break a damn thing on January 6th. Joe Biden won't talk about them. The Democrats won't talk about them. The media won't talk about them. What are their names? Where are they? What's their status? Nobody cares. Meanwhile, Black Lives Matter, a complete scam, anti-Semitic, pro-Marxist, hate America, complete scam, raise $90 million, tax cheats. And we could go on and on, couldn't we, ladies and gentlemen? Why is the border open? That's an attack on democracy. Why are Title IX being destroyed under the Civil Rights Act so women's sports is no longer women's sports? What's that attack on democracy? The attempt to nationalize our elections, isn't that an attack on democracy? And I could go on and on, and this jackass, this sleazy, fraud, moronic politician... is a great lawyer... After World War II and the Holocaust, during the prosecutions. And he said, when you point a finger at somebody, you're pointing three fingers at yourself. That's Joe Biden. Mark Levin. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Awful lot of people have died in the streets controlled by the Democrat Party and their anti-police policies. And then here comes the sleazy lifetime politician out of Delaware, Joe Biden, who lied his way into office way back when and lies in office. And he has a proposal. It's time to fund the police. Fund the police. Fund the police. Well, why do you need to fund the police? I thought they were funded. No, 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 they weren't funded. And the reason is, ladies and gentlemen, because his party defunded them. Slashed their budgets. It was never an issue of not enough money. These Democrat mayors, these Democrat councilmen and women, and its, these Democrat governors, it wasn't for a lack of money. They had plenty of money. But they turned on the cops because it was the end thing to do. They turned on, their, on the cops. They let their cities burn, even today, with the sucker punching with the store robberies. There aren't enough cops, not because there's not enough money. There's just too damn many Democrats running these cities. And Joe Biden can get up there and do his Mr. Magoo act 
All of a sudden, they want 100,000 cops 60 days before the midterm elections. And they don't want them right away, mind you. They want them over five years, which means you'll never see 100,000 cops. But it's not a matter of funding. There's hundreds of billions of dollars sitting out there. And here's the irony. This stupid old guy runs around and says the Republicans voted against cops. I just explained to you last hour why that's a lie. $1.9 trillion massive spending bill that helped cause all this inflation and other spending bills. There was no requirement that any locality or state spend one penny on cops. None. None. And yet he pretends otherwise. It seems to me if you really meant to do it in the bill, you should have said it. But he didn't. And so now it's the Republicans who wanted to defund the police. Do you believe this, ladies and gentlemen? Now he might think this is a cool trick because he's a stupid man and an old politician. But the fact of the matter is, Joe Biden has cost in his party many, many people their lives. Their businesses, their safety, many, many people. But look how cynical he is. Look how cynical he is. Now he wants you to believe he's the pro-cop guy and that all these moderate Democrats out there, they're pro-cop too. But of course they're not. They just don't want to lose office. They want power. And you can see what they do when they have power with the FBI and so forth. Now, I wanted to bring up this point that I started last hour, because I don't think we've been looking at this Hunter Biden thing the right way. The idea that Joe Biden, who's in Washington, what, 50 years? Almost half a century. That he didn't know what his son was doing. That he didn't know his son was using his office in the Senate as vice president. Who was flying with him on certain missions to various countries. Who was spending money to fix his homes. Who was offering, if not giving him 10% of what he took. Calling him the big guy. Spilling his guts and his emails in that laptop. The idea that Joe Biden didn't know what Hunter Biden was doing, what James Biden was doing, and the rest of the crime family was doing is a lie that we've accepted, and we must not. This Mr. Magoo Act has to end. I know he's not 100% with it, but he's with it enough to know what he's doing. And he's a crook in my view. And the media will say, can you prove that? The media with billions of dollars in resources, they don't want to look under the sheets. They don't want to look under the rocks. They don't want to look. In fact, they help propel this fool where he is. Joe Biden knows exactly what his son was doing. He knew directly and he knew indirectly from people around him. Had to. Joe Biden brought his his drug addict son with him on trips to China, trips to Russia, trips to Ukraine. It's no accident. 
How could he not know? He saw how his son was living. Didn't he ask himself, how can my son afford these things? Why is it that he has a job with this Ukrainian company? Why is it that he received all this money from the communist Chinese military? How is it that he received all that money from the wife of the ex-mayor of Moscow? Joe Biden didn't know anything? Nothing at all? So Joe Biden is letting Hunter Biden take the heat. This is my view. And what the FBI should be doing, if they weren't so damn corrupt, and I can't tell you how it pains me to say it, but it's so obvious anymore, it's just the way it is. They should be pinching Hunter Biden, pinching James Biden, pinching all the family members to get to Joe. And Hunter should be in the same solitary confinement as Paul Manafort was in. Threatened the same way as Roger Stone was. That would be equal justice. But it's not going to happen. Where are the SWAT teams? The Kerry family steps on. Where are the SWAT teams? With Pelosi's son. Where are the search warrants? Where's the FBI? Where are their documents? Their computers? Their iPhones? Where are they? Nowhere. Hunter Biden is the fall guy for his father. That's what's going on. He's the shiny object. He's irrelevant, except with the evidence that he has. It's the big guy, Mr. 10%. He's the mob boss. But for the big guy, Mr. 10%, there wouldn't be any Hunter Biden who acquired millions and millions of dollars, or James Biden, or any of the rest of that family. It was Joe. Joe made it all possible. Lunch bucket, Scranton Joe is going to go to Independence Hall and talk about democracy. Which he hates. Of course, it's republicanism, but Joe doesn't know the difference, as it turns out today, between the Constitution and the Declaration. It doesn't matter. And as a footnote, why is he even going to Independence Hall? Well, those slave owners got together, not once, but twice, for the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Why is he going there to talk about democracy when he hates all those men? At least he used to. Five minutes ago, before he loved them, 50 years ago. Ah. Hunter's the fall guy. He's the front guy. So Joe can say he doesn't know anything when we know he knows everything. We've gotten a little peek into that, right? With the audio tape of the phone call. New York Times, I think you're in the clear now. You're in the clear now. Who talks like that? Mobsters talk like that. Gang members talk like that. I think you're in the clear now. You're in the clear. Do you say that to your son, anybody out there? 
I've never said it to mine. Hey, I think we're in the clear. I think you're in the clear. Unless you've done something wrong, right? Joe Biden is the kingpin. It's him. He's the crook. He figured out how to enrich the family. He knew he'd have a a bunch of suckers in the media who would pretty much go along with him. You can't expect Maggot Haberman to write anything. Or Philip Bump. Or Sarah Rump. Or whatever. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. So now we've moved from the Espionage Act, remember that debate a month ago? To the Presidential Records Act, remember that debate? To now obstruction. See how this works, Mr. Producer? On a former president. Now, they're not arguing that the former president took classified documents or his staff and gave them to the enemy or sold them to anybody or revealed the secrets. This is about the location of the documents. The location of the documents. That's all it's about. Three classified documents, we know nothing about them. But the government's going to want to make them the Rosetta Stones, if you know what I mean. The most important information in the history of information. And they seized these three classified documents from President Trump's desk of all places. Pursuant to the above search protocols, the government seized 33 items of evidence, mostly boxes. The investigative team has reviewed all the materials in the containers that the privilege review team did not segregate as potentially attorney-client privilege. Oh, by the way, this is an entirely political document. The issue in front of the federal judge is whether or not to appoint a special master to go over the documents. So what the government has done here is put on its opening argument, continued to keep secret its affidavit so you and I could see what it was originally they were searching for, and leaked to the media. The investigative team has reviewed all the materials in the containers that the privilege team did not segregate, as potentially attorney-client privilege of the seized let's see here, evidence, 13 boxes or containers contain documents with classified markings, and all over 100 unique documents with classification markings. That is more than twice the amount produced on January 3 in response to the grand jury subpoena were seized. Certain of the documents had colored cover sheets indicating their classification, and that's when you see the picture. So they spread them on the floor and took a picture because they knew this would be a political filing. 
the different color coding that's used on the different types of classifications. Now, if you ask me, that would violate the Espionage Act. Why? I seriously doubt every single government overseas knows how we color code our classifications. But even apart from that, it's the mishandling of documents. You file these in open court. You file the color-coded folder covers publicly in order to distribute that information. Notwithstanding counsel's representation on January 3 that materials from the White House were only located in the storage room, classified documents were found in both the storage room and the former president's office. So the three documents they're saying demonstrates misleading, demonstrates that they lied, and intentionally so. You see how preposterous this is? This is a former president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Moreover, the search cast serious doubt on the claim in the certification and now in the motion that there had been a diligent search for records responsive to the grand jury subpoena. In the storage room alone, FBI agents found 76 documents bearing classification markings. All of the classified documents seized in the August 8th search have been segregated from the rest of the seized documents, are being separately maintained and stored in accordance with appropriate procedures for handling and storing information. They were in the storage room. where the affidavit said all the materials were. So the FBI knew to go to the storage room with their search warrant. They searched the president's former office. They found three documents which you had in a desk drawer. That's it. Did you know this? Prior to me reading this to you, did you know this? I did not. I did not know that. I thought they were all over Mar-a-Lago by the way they were speaking. The privilege review team has completed its review of the materials in its custody and control and were identified as potentially privileged. The privilege review team identified only a limited subset of potentially attorney-client privileged documents. doesn't matter if you had a limited subset. One's enough. Have any of you ever had lawyers? And you have a lot of communications and somebody... FBI or somebody can come in and say, look, we only looked at a few. We only grabbed a few. We didn't grab them all. Now, this is very interesting to me. I'll tell you why. On the one hand, Donald Trump and his, his folks obviously committed obstruction because there were three documents in his desk drawer that were classified. And they said everything was in the storage room, right? Meanwhile, the government takes attorney-client privilege and nobody's going to be held to account for that, are they, Mr. Producer? So they take attorney-client privilege documents and try and dive. Well, there's only a few. There's only a limited subset, quote-unquote. So if Donald Trump says, there's only a limited subset of classified information in my desk, you think the FBI is going to have a different view? Plaintiff lacks standing to seek judicial oversight, they say and related relief in relation to any presidential records seized from the premises. Now, that's the key. They say any presidential records, but that's the issue, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? 
President Trump is asserting that many of these materials are his private materials. Why do we assume that all of this is government documents? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But why is it the the government, the FBI, the prosecutors who get to make that decision? We already know they took attorney-client privilege documents. They were at his house for nine hours. How is it that they took attorney-client privilege documents? Because the warrant was too broad. But they went through the documents anyway. And they still took them. So they're okay. They can take attorney-client privilege documents. But if they find three classified documents in Trump's drawer, we don't know anything about them, that's evidence of obstruction. Interesting. Plaintiff has no property interest in any presidential records. The issue isn't whether he has interest in presidential records. The issue is whether certain of the records are presidential records, period. He's not entitled to the return of any property. Well, of course he is. Anything that's not presidential material. Moreover, don't get caught in their trap. Donald Trump has the right to have access to all of these materials. What they're saying is he can't access them in the way he did at Mar-a-Lago. How's that obstruction? Again, this whole thing, they brought it to a fever pitch. Even if the former president had standing, they say, the appointment of a special master would be unnecessary and would interfere with the legitimate government interests. You know what the legitimate government interests are? They're in the middle of an investigation. They can't be slowed down by a special master. Why not? Why not? Now, what about executive privilege claims? They say a former president cannot successfully assert executive privilege against the executive branch in its performance of executive functions. Now that is probably correct. But we don't have a defining 100% decision on that. Certainly not from the U.S. Supreme Court. So the Justice Department doesn't get to decide that issue. They say the former president cites no case, and the government is aware of none in which executive privilege has been successfully invoked to prohibit the sharing of documents within the executive branch. And what's interesting about that is this statute that they keep talking about, the Presidential Records Act, specifically talks about executive privilege by the sitting president. What if he doesn't act? that the former president has a right to go to court, and there's a whole thing about it. So if they're right, why is there anything at all written about it in the Presidential Records Act? See, they go on. I'm reading this for the first time, too. Even if a former president could, in some circumstances, assert executive privilege, no such assertion would be valid here. So they're making conclusions of law, Appointment of a special master review materials for claims of executive privilege would be inconsistent with principles of equity. That is preposterous. Let me go on. The court should not appoint a special merit master, but if it does, the below conditions should apply. And then they say, you know, we need to confer and agree. And it goes on on what they expect the court to do under the circumstances. That's pretty much it. 
Now you know more than anybody else, including the people reporting on this. What do you make of this? The amount of manpower and law enforcement resources being used against this president is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Let me, let me thin this down for you. They found three classified documents in President Trump's desk. So what? Everything else, as best as we can tell, was in fact in the storage room. There's nothing in there that says they found any anywhere else. They went back in the storage room and they found more classified information in the boxes. That's what they're hanging their hat on. See, see, the lawyer filed a certificate, a certification, stating that he or she was told that everything had been searched and this is all they have. So that demonstrates obstruction. No, it demonstrates a mistake. There's nothing in here early on, early on in this document. It says the concern about possible destruction or there is nothing in here about destruction, Mr. Bedus. Did you hear anything? Not a word. Nothing. But the reason I read you that footnote on the passports was to demonstrate to you how far the government is overreaching here. We gave him them back, but of course we did have a right to get them because, you know, he might leave the country. Anytime we have a national security interest like this, that's what they're trying to say. We have to be careful. What I read to you demonstrates an FBI, a U.S. attorney, an attorney general completely out of control. Completely out of control. It's really quite appalling. There's nothing in here that's shocking that should shock anybody. And I want to remind you, millions and millions of papers that were produced, information that were produced by this administration are in the hands of the archives. So when they say, look at all these boxes, look at all these documents, it's nothing. Minimal. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Extreme heat wave pushing California power grid to limit with rolling blackouts possible. The Los Angeles slimes. The worst heat wave of the year. It's presenting a critical test for California's overtaxed power grid. With officials warning rolling blackouts are possible without major conservation efforts during a week of scorching temperatures. Extreme heat is expected to grip the vast majority of California for at least six days, perhaps even longer. Extreme heat. You know what we call that? Florida. Arizona. All kinds of parts of the country have extreme heat from time to time. And yet you're not seeing power grid issues with those states, are you? Authorities are worried about power capacity in part because high temperatures are forecast not just across inland regions that typically broil this time of year, but also along many parts of the coast where all the left-wing kooks live. 
That could mean many more people reaching for the air conditioning during peak hours. Imagine that, reaching for air conditioning. We're anticipating this extreme heat to be a length and duration, the likes of which we haven't experienced in some time, says Gavin Newsom, urging residents to conserve power. I'm sure he will, too, of course. No doubt at his favorite restaurant. Temperatures could hit all-time and monthly record highs and are expected to be 10 to 20 degrees above average during the day with little relief expected. Come, You know, you build a grid, you build an energy system, you build the whole thing for the occasions that, that are most extreme, not for typical occasions. That's what you're supposed to do. We're not super confident on when it's going to end, said Bill Rash, a meteorologist with the National Weather Center of the heat wave. Officials are asking Californians to limit electricity when possible to minimize strain on the state's energy providers. Otherwise, risk. imagine if the state actually had a growing population. Imagine if the state actually had a growing industry. In other words, imagine if California was growing rather than declining as it is. What would they do then? They call this a flex alert, a first statewide flex alert during this heat wave. Most of the state entered its first day of extreme heat in this wave. A second flex alert was issued for today. And during a flex alert, consumers are urged to reduce their energy use in the afternoon and evening hours. I remember years ago when former Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld would show a photo, a satellite photo of North Korea and South Korea. North Korea was black at night. Not a light on. South Korea was lit up with lights. Looked like Las Vegas. I wonder if you'd take a picture of California at night this week and a picture of Florida at night. What you would see, Mr. Producer. In Florida, you would see North Korea, right? Excuse me. In California, you'd see North Korea. In Florida, you'd see South Korea in terms of the lights. That's the future, America. Right there. And it was in the bill they just passed. And if you oppose it, you're obviously a violent MAGA Neanderthal. A violent MAGA Neanderthal. That's quite obvious. Joe Biden doesn't talk about the genocidal regimes in Red China, Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, etc. The way he talks about Republicans or so-called MAGA Republicans. He has spent a lifetime as a Washington politician. He's done nothing to advance democracy, liberty, or prosperity in our country. Among his closest and earliest friends were among the most racist segregationists in the United States Senate. Meanwhile, he and his corrupt family have enriched themselves with farm money to the tune of millions. Biden knows nothing of democracy. He knows everything of autocracy, because that's what he is. Because that's what he is. Now, the Putinoids out there in our media and in their parties, they know who they are and you know who they are. Another oligarch has obviously jumped to his death, Mr. Producer. The oligarchs keep committing suicide. It's unbelievable what's going on in Russia. A Russian oligarch has been reported by state media to have died by suicide after a fall from a window at a hospital in Moscow. This guy was the chairman of the biggest oil company in Russia, Luke Oil, and there are some stations in our own country. Raval Maganov, 67, chair of Russian oil giant 
Luke Oyo apparently died on the spot following his fall. He fell from the window at Moscow's Central Clinical Hospital around 7.30 a.m. this morning. It's unclear what he was doing in the hospital prior to his fall, but his death is the latest in a line of Russian oligarchs and energy executives who have died in mysterious circumstances this year following the invasion of Ukraine. I wonder if the Putinoids with their hemorrhoids are going to speak out. Or are they going to pretend this never happened? Former Gazprom vice president Vlad Svelyavyev and his partner were found dead from gunshot wounds in Maine at apparent murder-suicide. Several days later, another oligarch, Sergei Prostyanya, was found hanged with his wife and daughter stabbed to death alongside him in a villa in Spain. Of course. He was a former vice president of Russia oil giant Novatic, and his death was also labeled a murder-suicide by Russian authorities. Mr. Monagnet had been chairman of Luke Oil since 2020. He'd been in senior positions with the company since joining the board. He made a very passive criticism in March of the invasion of Ukraine. Now he's jumped to his death. He, Mikhail Wartford, Alexander Taikov, Alexander Subotin, Sergei Prostov, Vaslav Nikov, Ravov Gavkov, Vlad and Yemi Yemi. <laughs> 